Get back in the tank. What for? Because I said so. <laughs> We're going home, sir. In the tank. Why can't we go home in a fucking helicopter? Because you're tankers. Yeah, you're also in a cul-de-sac. There's only one way out of this valley. Back through that pass you came through. Hello, raining people. It's me, Ryan Slowinski here of Spit and Polish Presents. I am one of your hosts, and I am doing very well. How are you, other host? A thunder hello from me, listening people. A thunder from down under? Thunder from down under. We're both from Australia. Yes, Bartek. Is my name? Is ooh, and Trinity is mine. Um, so I'm the right hand of the devil. Ah, uh, remember when we covered that film? Mm, feels like a few weeks ago. Well, more than a few weeks ago, I would say. Um, uh, at least a dozen weeks ago. I don't know how many it actually was. <laughs> a dozen weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Let's find out what exactly we recorded a dozen weeks ago, just for fun. And 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 we have to factor in the week we took off. Yeah. So 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 you know, So whatever was eleven episodes ago. Whatever was eleven episodes ago. So factor that in. Uh, but no, 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 no. We said raining people. No, we took off another week not yeah, too long ago. So ten episodes ago. Ten episodes. Bartek, you got to do the maths Ryan, on this. Me listening, Ryan. Polish, Polish. It was a Ryan pick. Yeah, that's my pick. I I picked. Trinity. So it possibly could have been that. That mm. you know. Uh, look, look. While <laughs> while I get up the uh, while I get up the mathematics here to figure it out, it's currently raining and storming as we record this. So if you hear that in the background, just have fun. Don't complain. Stop yeah, complaining. It's actually died down a little bit, but I'm probably jinxing us by saying that. Jinxo from Babylon Five. Uh, oh, when's wrong he gonna, podcast, Ryan. When's he going to show up in a movie that we cover Ryan, on this podcast? That, that's the other podcast. Now, we I do. do host another podcast, but no, let's get let's get real, as David Lynch uh, would want get us. Get real. Uh, <laughs> we're spit and polish presents likingly because we're always spitting, and we both happen to be Polish. And on our show, Pictures Power, the one you're listening to currently. We talk about a movie that has come recommended. We go over it, we discuss it, we get into the details of it. So if you have not seen the movie that we are going through, we recommend that you always check it out for yourself so you don't get spoiled by uh, by us talking about it. Bartek, this is our listening people's choice. A listening person out there has discussed a movie with us, not just recommended it, they discussed it with us beforehand. Mm. Do you want to go over what film we're covering, the person who recommended it, and, and the general backstory? Because there's a bit of a mythos for us. Yeah, for yeah. I, I'll, I'll start by saying this. When we got the message and email from the person, I responded to them by saying, wow, this is the most thorough recommendation we've ever gotten. Thank you for that. Um a gentleman by the name of Nick P. I can't remember mm. the last name, but that's it. Um, Nick P. recommended for us a 1988 film called The Beast or The Beast of War. Mm. Um, I prefer The Beast as, as the title. I, I think it's less on the nose and it ties to the film better. That's fair enough. I think in most places it is called that. I lean for Beast of War just because it's a bit more distinct than just The Beast. That could be like half of Beauty and... Yeah, so funny. Uh, I, I checked out the mathematics uh, four episodes ago. Uh, we did They Call Me Trinity. Yeah, so, I, I worked that so out So just well. over a few. So that was five weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I'm sorry I was pedantic. I thought it was longer ago. <laughs> Time is an illusion. Keep going. Um, yeah, so he recommended this film to us, um, and he gave us a whole backstory about uh, his discovery of it um, and his disbelief about the fact that this film has gone so under the radar and after I responded to him the first time, he sent me a message that I think was about equal in length to the first one, where he went further in about, uh, you know, being happy that I responded to him because he's trying to get more people aware of this film. And he, uh, also an anecdote about him talking to Quentin Tarantino's co-writer, mm. um, Avery, I think the last name was, mm. about how he contacted that guy personally and got like a little message from him talking about this film because that guy in Tarantino think that this is, like, the greatest film of 1988. Yeah. Um, and they saw it in the cinema alone. Mm. Um, and, yeah, they just basically think that it's also criminally underrated. 
So secondary yeah. source uh, for Tarantino and Avery. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot going in. I I, we, I read I reread this email after viewing the film, as I stated I would last week, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I was happy I didn't have that baggage going in. I just saw this. I knew it was a war film. I knew it was from the 80s. I knew it was an American-made movie. That was roughly it. I didn't know who was going to be in it. I didn't know who directed it. Uh, so that's my history with it. And at the end of the last episode, when you were saying this is the film we're going to do, we talked a little bit about how, you know, the recommendation, as thorough as it was, was also very much hyping up the film, and we wanted to die that down a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I'm glad I uh, did. Same. So we weren't familiar with this. This is an underrated film, definitely not talked about. I've never heard about this movie. I've never yeah. seen images from it. it. And I like war films. I like films like this a lot. I like shows where it's about war. I'm partial to this. So the fact that this isn't as in my knowledge is a, is not to say it's a surprise, but it is it adds up with what the email was going on about because yeah, this isn't small fish. These are people there are well known people in this director as well would go on to make some very well-known films. Uh, <laughs> not great films, well-known films, but uh, yeah, I I didn't really know what I was going to get into when coming in other than it was going to be a film about war. Uh, did you have any inklings outside of it was just going to be a war movie? Did you even think of who, what war was going to be or who the people would be following or anything of that nature. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about if it was going to be a specific war or anything like that. Um, but in terms of the tone, I'll say this. Uh, last night I was hanging out with some friends until pretty late at night um, and they knew that I had to go home and watch a movie for the podcast and one of them came up with the idea of like, oh, why don't we go to your house and we'll all watch it together or something? It should be fun. We can, you know, talk about the movie, make fun of it. I'm like, oh, I get the feeling that this might not be one to make fun of. <laughs> no, it's it starts out very much telling you that this is not going to be a, a happy-go-lucky time. I even just the title kind of tells mm. you that. The Beast of War. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Not to get confused with Vietnam War Story, another war story we've covered on yeah. this or that, podcast. Or that really early listening people's choice that Julia recommended. What was that one called again? Um, the Brad Pitt one. War... I thought... Hmm. Yeah, you got me. <laughs> Julia, you know what it is. War Machine. War Machine. Yeah, I didn't even factor in. I just assumed World War Two probably. That's... What I assumed, and I that somehow was wasn't the thinking World War Two end yeah. of it, and I thought, oh, it's going to be the Allies against the Nazis, or maybe even the Russians. Well, the involved. Nazis got a shout out at one point. Oh, we can we can we shout out the Nazis, everybody? <laughs> good job, good job. Not good job. No, 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 no. Bad, bad job. Bad Which guys. Bad guys. That Adam and Pell's joke. <sighs> Give it up for ISIS, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, dive into be- The Beast or The Beast of War. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall thoughts on it were, I I didn't, I found myself lacking with it. I enjoyed certain aspects a lot. And there were lots of aspects of it that I didn't particularly like. There's things when you make movies of this nature, you as a creator make choices. You go, okay, they're not going to do Russian accents. They're going to be just Americans. We're not going to cast actors who are af- actually, you know, af- Afghanistan-based people. We're going to cast just any person who has darker skin. Mm-hmm. Those are choices. Uh, and I get it, uh, but they were choices that impeded my viewing of it because I knew immediately who our main, uh, like some of our main actors were, and I'm just like, oh, okay, that was weird. But then also like choices of we're gonna use American military jargon over Russian military jargon. We're not actually gonna really talk that much about the the crisis that this is a part of, more just this individual crisis that we're following. Mm-hmm. Uh these were these were distinct choices in the script and the direction that I just didn't gel with as strongly. 
but they aren't wrong. It's just one of those things where it's like when you watch an old movie and it's like, and Romans are played by English people for yeah. some reason. <laughs> they and they you did, just have to buy that. They did Metal Gear Solid Three Russians. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great way to describe it for sure. And one of the things that did majorly affect me, and I'm curious if this fact is in for you, is uh, there are some actors in this. Uh, there's a Baldwin in here that were the hot young talents of the time, and they looked too much like 80s actor pretty boys for me, specifically our main guy, the guy who got tied to the rock and left behind. I never bought him as this Russian tank guy. Now, now our main antagonist, I bought him, and when I found out that he is a man of Polish and Ukrainian descent, I'm like, of course you are. You look like a European guy who belongs in this time period driving around in a tank, but some of the other actors involved in this film, they look too much for my my eyes as pretty boy, hot stud actors that you cast because you got to have the guy from The Lost Boys in your movie because that's a big film, or you got to have the, the, the handsome guy from Scarface in your film because... Scarface was a big movie and this guy's on the rise. And so there was some of that that did stop me from enjoying it as thoroughly. Now, these are things I admit that are uh, 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 somewhat superficial but uh, and will most likely be altered in minor ways or even major ways if I ever rewatch this. Uh, re-watch this. How was your experience with uh, The Beast of War? Um, <clears throat> at the beginning when... You know, it was revealed that these Russians would be played by Americans and not doing the accents, not doing the language. It did throw me off at first, but mm. I pretty quickly got used to it. Um, I also wasn't really, like, looking at their youth as so much a, a thing of, you know, promoting the young, hot actors of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that their appearances relatively worked well because, in a way, a lot of those characters in the uh, platoon, which I, I barely remember most of their names. Mm-hmm. Um, they do kind of boil down to like an archetype. Like there's mm-hmm. the the young nervous guy. Um, there's the hothead, the hothead, the really talented gunner who like abuses, like uses some of the resources, mm-hmm. but gets away with it because of his talent. Obviously, the main antagonist, the leader of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, the local. Uh, yes, yeah. they had the the translator with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can basically boil down their character roles in this group to just those things, and you know that gets by fine. And their young appearances, you know, work well to show that some of them are inexperienced. So yeah, it's I, not even that they're young; it's just I found them too pretty. I was like, oh, they're pretty. That's right. Well, people. the ones that survived to the end, they were very dirty by the end. Yes, so. <laughs> yes, I'll give it that. Yes, yeah. yes. But how did you feel about the film? Feel about the film? I I really appreciate it. It's and I kind of formed this opinion a bit more because in, in the um, email that uh, Nick P sent us, uh, he sent us two links for like supplementary reading, and one of those links went into um, talking about how you know in American culture a lot of the wars that they fight are not in their own backyard. It's mm. And you compare that to people in Europe and people in the Middle East, and all the wars are basically in their backyard, and so they have a different view of war. Mm. Um, so the fact that one thing that I had to keep reminding myself is this is a, an American film. It has very non-American sensibilities about it. And, yeah, just the fact that this came from America, I feel like that's – I don't know if progressive is the right word, but it, it feels like it's a very – uh, informed film. I understand that. And it is covering a conflict that we rarely see discussed. Yeah. I was just going to say in film, but just discussed. If you were to ask me about, like, the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, I would probably just point out, oh, that's in Metal Gear Solid Five, and that's probably the most I could say about it. Yeah, I couldn't even tell you when it was. Yeah, I... Straight off the bat. Like, if you had to point a gun at me and say, tell me when this happened, I don't know, sometime in the past. It, it was Metal Gear Solid Five, man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I haven't played that one, I so <laughs> I can't tell you. But no, it is covering a conflict that is one that has not been discussed and explored 
that often in at least the landscape of film. I guess it's a late Cold War type yeah, thing. And yeah, and so I thought that was a very unique selling point. Uh, the film does a very great job at reminding you that tanks suck. Like, it would be fucking nightmarish to be a tank guy and to drive around in a tank, and, like, there's a lot of things that go into operating one of those, and a lot of... Uh, we look at tanks, especially if you're a gamer, yeah, as the ultimate peak of, like, what you get when you are playing those military games. Like, oh, I got the tank. Like, when you're playing Grand Theft Auto, you're like, oh, I got the tank. Yeah. Or even when you're or, playing... Or on- yeah, but or on the other end, like when you have a wild scale battle game, like oh, just one tank—that's just one mm-hmm. unit of many. Um, so this this film really kind of centers around the idea of like, hey, a tank actually is really strong. Let's look at what it does when the people it's up against have just basic things that they hold in their hands. Yes, and but- that and the that's the title, the Beast of War, the mm-hmm. tank. The tank does uh, so much damage, but at the same time, they're on the run because. They can be easily taken out. Yeah. They are just this tin box rolling around in the desert, and you can throw grenades and rocks and Molotovs at it, and it will fucking hurt. And that was really well emphasized because, yeah, there's this, there's this idea in a way where tanks are like the tanks when it comes to land vehicles and war, are like the ultimate, like, yeah, we've got a tank and we're going to be fine. No, it's really nightmarish and the. Insides of this tank looked absolutely horrid, and you didn't want to be inside of it at all. Yeah, you, it was so cramped that you could barely get like a geographical understanding mm. of like what it's like in there. Yeah, you couldn't. Like, understand. how close is everyone? Like, the, the, when when we look at like the um the leader of the group, mm. the the villain, like he seems like he's so far away from others, but it's mm. when you see the tank from outside, it's not that big. No, it isn't, and I liked the overall direction atmosphere and acting that was in the film. I, I may have given some uh, some harsh critiques of the choice of actors, but they all did very well. There was nobody who did a particularly bad job. I mean, I did find it distracting that there was a Baldwin in here, I will say that. I mean, the one from Biodome as well. So it was a little bit like, okay, where's Polly Shaw? You know, like we need other... Goofy guys here. And so I found the acting overall to be very good. Uh, I thought the visuals of this was absolutely breathtaking. There's a real oppressive quality to it, but there's also beauty. We see the oppressive landscape and the beauty of that landscape that these characters inhabit as well. And lots of great visual storytelling, like we begin the movie with uh, uh, shot landscape shots, and there's these dogs, all these lovely little dogs. I and then the dogs. the dogs come back. We see those dogs actually in the story, and you like you. Oh, I forgot about the dog. Like that's how we begin. We're setting things up pretty much from the beginning and paying them off later. And because it was a visual, you didn't even think about it being a setup and a payoff there, because it wasn't like. One of our main characters walks up to the dogs, pats the dogs, and goes, I love you, dog. I hope you come... You know, like, there was no exposition there. You're just entering the film and taking the visuals as they come and go, okay, we're in this landscape, we're following these people, and you don't even think about the dogs being a piece of that information. You just go, oh, that's just a part of the flavor of the landscape. But uh, then they do come back. So there was lots of setups and payoffs from a visual standpoint that I really adored. And I liked the nighttime sequences a lot. It's very hard to demonstrate nighttime sequences uh, in deserts a lot because mm. often they would do night, uh, day for night. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia in particular. But they did it really well here. I love. I really like the flamethrower sequence, and I love the aftermath yeah, of the yeah. flamethrower sequence where uh, you see the scorch marks all around, and <laughs> like the people coming in have no context. A lot of the really brutal stuff in the films in that first scene, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, again, uh, the script. Although I have some issues with it, and I'll get into those further. They they do some really great little smart clever things like the poisoning of the water it was already pretty clever when they did it that first time i was like oh that's a nasty trick that they did and then it came back and 
spit them in the ass later. So that was uh, one moment that I was really pleased with. So you enjoyed this, you appreciated this. Walk us through what it was like when you sat down and did put this on and how the film went on to present itself, because it starts out pretty brutal. Yeah, well, like you said there, enjoyed. Um, Not to the same extent, but to call back like a recurring line from our Nightingale episode... The the film is, you know, fairly bleak and rustic, so the enjoyment isn't very much a fuck yeah kind of enjoyment, but just a, oh wow, yeah, this is this is really working kind of enjoyment. Um, and it's, you said before also, the visuals of the film were really good. I really liked um, later on in the film when the main character is working with uh, Khan and the Afghanis, the, mm-hmm. the Pashto people. Mm. Um there, there's a communication barrier there where they do not speak any mutual language, so they have to, you mm. know, speak in like single words and hand signs and pointing. Mm-hmm. Um, when the Pashtun guy was indicating to him that like the tank has to turn around, he like did it with like the dirt and the rocks, and mm. like that choreography was really effective. Like mm. when it comes to these kind of communication things, I always think like, oh man, it's really hard to actually like convey information through these ways. How's this film gonna do it? But like the the blocking of the rocks that he was putting in the ground moving through mm. it it was like it all made sense and it was actually very believable mm. that they were communicating through this and, way and i thought you would appreciate as somebody who does speak more than one language you know english is your primary but you do know some polish yeah that there are some words that are just known across those languages. Yeah, kaput, kaboom. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. So they're, you know, tank and all of that. Ah, tank. And so they have some of those phrases and words that they go, okay, I understand this. And if they're saying this, we can work off of that. Or when he was just saying his name, Constantine, and he didn't know at first, he was like, oh, yes, Constantine, of course. You know, the, the actor, when he was like realizing it, there was this level of his body language being like, of course, that's a Russian name. Like, you know, he's just like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. And, and also another thing with the language is like earlier on in the film with the translator, they established like key you know, quote-unquote foreign words, like Pashto words that we'll need to remember for later on. So every time we heard, mm. I think it was Balal, mm-hmm. and it's been a few hours since I watched it, but the word for... for mercy. Yeah, the Nanawati or something yes. like that. Um, apparently it's the original title of the work when it was meant to be a theatre production. Oh. Um, oh, right, you didn't read the article. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll talk more about that later. But um, yeah, the, that key word um, was a, the original title of this you know story, which was meant to be a theatre play. Um, and they get used throughout the film after that, even in moments where we have to empathise with the Russian main character and we don't get subtitles for the Pashto mm. people, which we did throughout the film. Um, yeah, just having these two words be in our minds because they were established was really effective. Like, when, whenever you see the women and they're shouting, like, balal, balal, mm. you immediately know that they're on, like, a different mental mm. wavelength to the, the fighters. Yeah, I the beginning where we see the other tank get taken out with it, with relative ease, just a Molotov cocktail thrown in there and they're gone. Those guys are gone, you hear them screaming and they're just dead. And uh, we're just thrown into this conflict immediately. We have barely any time to breathe and catch what we're in amongst. And, you know, you don't even realize straight away that they're the Russians. And you go, where, where are we? What's happening? Oh, okay, here we are. <laughs> and then uh, the scene proceeds to go on with some gruesome violence sets up the dynamics of all of our characters that we'll be following, the one who has a soul and the one who is the nervous guy, the one who's heartless and evil. We got the oh this guy's uh, like a local who's a part of the group, is a translator and he's trying to be the middleman between the Russians and the Afghans and you you, you get a lot of it's set up as they're killing a person, as they're laying this person down and they're going to roll them over with the tank as a demonstration of how you shouldn't fight back against the Russians. Mm. And then later on establishing, like, oh, he was laughing because, you know, he's dying in a holy war, so he gets to go up to... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Paradise. And uh, so... Yeah, that that was very, oh man, that was just such a brutal scene. And they do a great job with the editing where they cut away at the right moment and it isn't too gratuitous, but we still get the impact of the violence. It isn't 
copping out. The cutaways from it aren't mm. uh, the Hollywoodizing of like, oh, we want to get this rating so we can't show this. It is tastefully done. We 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 don't see the moment, the big crush moment, but we see the aftermath of it. We see enough of it, and we get the people's reactions, which is far more important than the viscera that we could have gotten. Yeah, for sure. We do see the foot, the feet getting crushed though, just before it cuts away. Yes, yes, that's what I mean. Like, but it's yeah. not like we see the rest of it. So no. we get enough information. Yeah. And I, th- I think later on we see the aftermath for a few frames. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You see him, what's left, and also later we and, get his and hand the treads, come out, like in mm-hmm. front and behind him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, we we get the hand pop out when the. the cleaning out the tracks and it's like oh, oh there it is mm. uh, okay and uh that really set the tone and we know immediately who the villain is because he's the guy that did it and forced the uh hero uh, our protagonist to drive yeah, and- that, that guy really just escalates in his evilness as the film goes on like the helicopter scene <laughs> the helicopter scene that guy you get like guy. so much time of those two the two guys that are still with him like just celebrating and like basically mm. falling in love with these helicopter pilots who are coming to save them they're already relaxing inside mm. the helicopter it's like you guys get out back to the tank it's like God. what the f- <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the film proceeds to be a cat and mouse game in which these Soviets are trying to get back to their, to their safe spot, uh, to their road where they can go back and meet up with the rest, but they're being chased by these people that they've wronged in the beginning of this movie. And as they go along, there's more paranoia, there's more raising of the stakes, there's more deaths, there's more murders and betrayals and... Our hero, our protagonist, gets left for dead. He's left as a trap, but uh, he manages to survive. And because of the things he's learned in the movie, he befriends and becomes a part of the Afghans that are chasing and uh, helps them win the day. And then he has to proceed to go back to where he came from. And so it's a classic tale in a lot of ways of this, where, again, you, you I can bring up Lawrence of Arabia, I can bring up a few other films where you have, like... A little bit of enemy mine. I was going to say there's yeah. enemy mine as well when it comes to language barrier stuff, but there's, what I mean is you have the the enemy or at least the foreign presence ingratiating themselves with the locals and learning a thing or two, but they're still a part of a system that is very much corrupt and insidious, and they have to decide, you know, how much am I willing to give up for these newfound friends I have or for my, you know, my country? And again, with both this and Lawrence of Arabia, they have to go back. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia is more fucked up, but uh, in that way, because it's a colonialist weirdo. But um, yeah, I I uh, enjoyed the basic framework of that. I found the film a little bit too monotonous and contrived, in my opinion. There were just moments where I go, oh, this is how they're making the tanks chase longer. Okay, like... This moment here, oh, the map was burned, so they go here, and they oh, they have to drive back around, and and then oh, the main the, the, the antagonist is making it so that they have to make this keep going. Like we can't just go into the helicopter because that would be the end of the movie. So we have to have them come back. I'm, the main one that really got me, and I think it's like the only one that I would really be like, uh, was when uh, they finally got to the position where he was going to, you know, shoot the rocket launcher behind the rock, mm. but then the other guy, Khan, like, runs across the field, mm. like, still holding the rocket, and it's like, <laughs> he didn't have to run across that field. And it diminished the intelligence of that character, because he was the one who was the smartest yeah. uh, in the in the runtime, and so it didn't feel realistic for him. Yeah, there was just too, a few too many moments where it came across like we have to extend the length of this, or we have to start the chase again. Like we just they were, casually yeah. chilling here. Oh no, grenade! Like it is very much of a. It reminded me of when we did impro, when we did improvisation. Oh yes, yep. And it would be like. Uh, space jump and it's like now we have to start a new scene <laughs> and that's kind of what it was was like grenade and it's like new scene now like we haven't and I think what part of my frustration with it is 
I, I like the acting. Like I said, I love our antagonist. That guy is the best in the film from the actors. He was marvelous. And uh, my problem is I wish there was more scenes where the characters were talking to one another and giving us something more because when we did get those they were nice they were well done but then they have to be interrupted and we have to go back to the chase and the action and the shooting and the worry of death and i i appreciate that but there's okay for instance we have our um our local uh translator whose name i am forgetting off the top of my head i know that that act is in everything mm-hmm. did you recognize him he's in everything He's one of those actors. He seemed familiar, but I didn't really... He was in Mr. Deeds. I saw that one. He was the butler. Oh, but okay. um, he's a very recognizable face, uh, Samad, uh, played by Eric Avi, who's who's Indian, and he's played over, I think it's, it said over two dozen ethnicities in his career. Mm. So he's a, he's a well-known actor. Like He was in The Mummy, he was in... Uh, Planet of the Apes. Uh, he's in those Destiny games. He's he's a big deal. So we have the building tension between him and the guy who's head of the tank. And again, that's one of those things where it's like they kill him relatively early in the movie. And a part of me is like, I reckon this could have been extended more. I like this is the part where it's like I wish this was extended. And that's a weird thing. Even though I feel like they find contrived ways to elongate the chase, I felt the movie was too short. I was like, if this was an over two hour long movie, I would be far more like, okay, I'm here. I'm with the, I'm with where we're going. We can have scenes breathe a little, have those tensions of people just looking at each other and giving each other the stink eye and betraying each other and talking about each other behind their their backs and getting more about the Afghans and who they are and what their interpersonal conflicts are. But it felt those things were. A little bit too breezed through. Yeah. On the one hand, with the thing you were saying about Space Jump, like a sudden thing would happen and they have to go to battle stations. Um, on the one hand, I did kind of appreciate it because it said something mm. about the setting and the conflict. And, and how like, oh, driven man, the Afghans are. Yeah, They're never going to stop. Yeah, you need to like be on point, like ready mm-hmm. for anything because, yeah, they are just having conversations about anything and then, grenade, get into positions, guys. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, yeah, I, I do kind of wish we had a bit more interaction, like especially at the beginning of the film when the group was much bigger, mm. um, before we were losing some people. Because, yeah, the, the translator and uh, Constantine were basically like the heart of the film at that point. Yeah. You know, they weren't, they were the ones who were like protesting in a way against like, you know, killing the, the Pashtun person. Um, they weren't committing quite as many atrocities. They were clearly against the the antagonist in some moral ways. They were patriots. They were, yeah, patriots. Um, yeah, and they weren't standing for some of the very obvious corrupt rule-breaking, like, you know, getting rid of the ride-up. Uh, mm. Oh, this guy should be punished. Yeah, but he's really good, so don't punish him, that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, yeah, in... So I'm yeah I'm kind of mixed on that. I would I definitely would like a bit more of that, but I can understand yeah, why. There's a reason for it. It is to heighten the tension. I I I, I guess it's that funny thing, isn't it? Where mm. the unexpected thing is unexpected and it takes you by surprise. But they did it so many times where I felt I, like I could. I can understand I could, that. You did say monotonous, so I get yeah, that. Yeah, it came to a point to me where I could almost clock it when it was going to happen. When when eventually you got to the point where Constantine was getting along with Khan, I felt like it kind of revitalized a little bit, but yeah, yes. there is that middle third where, yeah, there's not as much of it. Yeah, and uh, again, if this was a longer epic, if this was two plus hours and we really got the nitty gritty stuff i i i think i would be that this is one of those few times it's like movie longer make movie the fact it's under two hours feels ludicrous to it, me. it should meet up with gora and like take some minutes <laughs> oh yeah yeah take a take a take 20 minutes off yeah the, like it at least for me this is a great example of like this story is screaming out to be larger and more epic in terms of of, of duration and and the content within it. I don't need to have bigger tank battles or anything of that. I like I liked the scenes where they were just talking to one another. They gave us a real reflection on their personalities and their viewpoints on this conflict that they're in. And then every time we cut back to the Afghans, it was just like, oh, we got one character that's good, and the rest of them are kind of 
dumbasses. It felt like a lot of the time, like his cousin was it his cousin or his the brother? one who's like scavenger, yeah, yeah, who who wanted the helicopter. It felt like a lot of it was just like our main guy and and his uncle who also leaves the movie too early for my taste. Uh, they were the most well defined, multi layered. The rest of them were just faceless people to me, like just they were there to do the thing and i don't know something about it i just i just wish that there was more to it more 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 meat on these bones yeah definitely with a lot of the pashtun people um them as a group kind of representing their code mm. felt like you know the big entity that we were following not so much the individuals although you know, we did get their names. Like, I remember the cousin's name was, like, Mustafa. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remembered, like, the way he was introduced. Yeah. And then once he became part of the group, like, he didn't really have his personality. But then when the helicopter was found, suddenly that came back and it was, like, a payoff. So I'm like, oh, there we go. Yeah, I, I think it works for the most part. And, again, it works, too, when it is them as this one unit before Constantine joins them. That's when you need it to flip, where it's like, once Constantine joins them, we get to know them more on an individual level. Yeah, I loved the way that, like, the... And I look at the word, it's Nanawatai, mm-hmm. not Nanawati. Um, the way they reacted, like, everyone kind of differently to mm. him invoking that... The women th- wanted to Yeah, that him. third principle. Like, the women were, like... No, but Bilal, the second principle, it's like the third one overrides that. There were some that were saying like, oh, just because he can pronounce the word doesn't mean we should respect the, the principle there. It's like the raccoon can say, oh, sorry, the raven or the crow can say the word mm-hmm. doesn't mean we have to respect it. Um, but then there were the ones who were much stern. It's like, no, if we mm-hmm. do not uphold this principle, we fail. And then there was also a little bit, I think, of... Um, you know, like loopholes, like they all mm. gave him a bunch of food, and then as soon as he takes one bit of bread, they all just come clamor mm. and take everything back. And uh, when he's given the RPG to fix, that was a really, really great scene. That was that was one of the best. And then he asked for the other gun so yeah. that he could fix this one, and then the guy aims his gun and cocks it, and then... then uh, uh, then we see the back and forth of that, and then oh great, now he's now he's disabled two weapons. Yeah, and then no, 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 he knows what he's doing because he is a soldier. They aren't really soldiers; they're just people with like not all of them were soldiers, right? I don't think so. They no. were just people who were you know incensed and were on the go to kill them. That's all they needed. Like, you give us weapons, we are sufficient enough with them, but they didn't have that technical know-how like a Soviet soldier does. So a Soviet soldier would know how to use an RPG, would know how to fix them, would know the ins and out of the tanks yep. and all of that. While these guys are like, these tanks are these things that's like, yeah, they exist, but they don't know too much. Yeah, they can chip away at them when things are in their favour, but they're going to lose a lot on the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Uh, the tank action was very good. Oh man! Like when the, when the tank was finally destroyed and like the treads were falling off it, that was kind of emotional. It was like, oh yeah. my god, this thing that's been so horrible is now just so broken. Oh yeah, and it was like pissing oil, and that's how they were tracking it. Yeah. Okay, I want to get your opinion on this. So, Constantine shoots the RPG, and it just gets the muzzle. Yeah. And it explodes it, and, and the guy's inside like, yay, we're fine, we win. And then uh, they're about to drive off. We have, um, oh, what was the main Afghan guy's name? He was Khan something, right? Uh, Khan, uh, yeah, I don't know if his Khan. name was Khan or if Khan no, was like a, a title. That's a title, that's a title. I just remember he went by Khan. Khan, Khan Taj, I think. That's how he like introduced himself to Constantine but, Khan. But uh, he's he screams out like, Allah, why have you forsaken us like this yeah and then the mountaintop explodes and the rocks fall down on the tank and we find out that it's the women they set up bombs up there but like how did you feel about that moment in the moment of watching it and now that you finish the film um before the women were shown i was i was thinking in my head that whole rule of screenwriting you can have coincidence get you into trouble but you shouldn't have it get you out of trouble mm-hmm. 
when it was revealed that like the women did something, I accepted it a little bit more. Like, oh, okay, sure, there, there's an actual you know human factor here. It wasn't mm. just coincidence or actual divine intervention. So I don't mind it as much. But at the like the split second reaction was like, "Ooh, what are you doing here?" I thought it was too cute. <laughs> I thought on a writing level, it felt very cute to be like, "Allah, why have you done this?" And then a divine act falls, like makes the mountain explode and falls onto them. Now it wasn't; it was the women. But again, when did we in the movie set up that the women were proficient with explosives? Yeah, we. we they, did- they, they, all they had were rocks. They for the were, large part of the movie. In terms of psychology, they seemed like they were an id factor in the mm-hmm. film. Like, they were just, again, just wanted revenge. Um, mm. The soldiers weren't really going to hurt them. Like, they were getting away from them when they were throwing rocks at them. Um, it just felt like, oh, these are... In a weird way, like, oh, women be crazy kind of thing. In a, yeah. It didn't Justice s- is of the of of the id and of blood, and I got that. I but I, that's not what I don't mind. I don't mind that. It just it it was a moment where I went okay. They weren't, we we got to get scripty now. Yeah, they weren't as characterized as the other characters for sure. Yeah, like I said, with the 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 bad guy making sure that the movie keeps going on. There are some moments, and that was one of them. The the mountain exploding with with, with the line of dialogue before it that felt very writerly yeah a little too on the nose right i would have been happy if the rpg worked well enough we still got to the ending that we got to and the women still got to kill the main guy the main antagonist and we still got to that point but it just was one of those moments where i kind of squinted my eyes and just gritted my teeth a little and went okay like just mm. okay a little a little <laughs> cute there i can see why tarantino fucking loved it um <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, um, how do you feel about the choice of not showing the death of the antagonist on screen? Um, I think the shot of the main woman, like throwing the boots on the ground, then it shows her face and she's covered in blood was good enough for me. Yeah, it was, it was for me. I I was surprised though, because he was such an asshole. There was a part of me that thought like, oh, would he be able to fight them off? No, I know he, he was. Had... I know he was messed up, but you know he he was a you know strong, imposing guy. Maybe mm. he'd do something there to was them. A, there but... was a lot of them, and they had weapons. That's true. So. Yeah, that's just what I mean. Like maybe he'd get one of them. I don't know. But nah. it, clearly, the way that it was shown, it's like, oh no, he he had zero chance. Uh, Afghanistan. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the other two just ran off. He should have. He should have learnt the word from the guy. No, but he was too much of a bigot and an idiot to learn it. Yeah, he killed um, the guy before he could learn it. <laughs> that is true. Uh, that was a great scene as well when they killed the 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 guy, the translator. Just yeah, they killed good. like the heart of the film, kind of, or of their side. Walk, walk, walk in the river. See, see how deep it is. No, see if it's rock or sand at the bottom. At first, he wanted to know how deep it was, and then once he got in, he was like, "Oh, it's cold as ice. I didn't ask for the temperature." Now. Is the ground this? <laughs> it's like, oh, and then, then they shot him. As soon as they got the information, didn't matter anyway. It was just a thing to ask because mm. it didn't factor in all that much. I did like how the poisoning of the water came back. Like I said, that was a brilliant moment. Did you like that? Mm. That was one of those where you laugh and you go, oh, you, <laughs> you, you, you fucked your own guys. That was actually well set up because we, at the beginning, when... They poisoned the water, that little body of water with the uh, radioactive shit, and it killed just one Afghan. And it's like, damn, it only killed one. You should have thrown the canister further away. And then um, when we meet the helicopter guys, they're on a mission to find water. And I didn't even factor it in that they yeah, would find I... the same water that was already established in the film. But at the same time, why wouldn't they? I'll be honest, it kind of went over my head until you brought it up in our discussion here. So Right, yeah, and much, then... Because yeah. they showed the canister. Yeah. yeah but they, I yeah. remember they had emphasis on the canister, but I just didn't put things together. And then, yeah, right. And then you come back, and there's this helicopter, and there's all these dead guys in their horrid, frozen bodies where they've clearly been convulsing and died from the poisonous water, uh, the irradiated water that they drank. And the look on the tank, the antagonist's face of... <sighs> okay. Yep. Okay, I did that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
that's just how this worked out. And uh, yeah, that was just uh, really well done. Overall, I like the film. I think it is underrated. I think more people should check this out. I I personally didn't think it was a perfect film. I didn't find it as hard-hitting of a war movie or a movie set during war times as others I've seen. But it is unique. It gives you an insight to a conflict that I don't think I've seen many people delve into. And the the choice of making us follow these Russians in the tank and giving us the idea of how dangerous the tank is, but also how vulnerable it is, was really meticulously done. And the direction, the direction was spectacular. Like, all of my problems comes from scripting things. And well, choices, like I said, of making them speak you know, American English with American jargon. Like, I would have been fine if they at least used Russian jargon for the weapons and the maneuvers. I think that's what took me out of it. Cause yeah. Apparently, I I don't know if you read the IMDb trivia. Mm-hmm. I read some of it. There was one, that I think it was like the Hungarian dub yes. fixed a lot of those issues. I, I will ask, did that factor in for you at all? Like, like the fact that they were, okay, did you, outside of them physically, like outside of the dialogue mentioning the USSR and all that, was it a constant thing in your brain that they were Russians? Because to me, honestly, there were large swaths of this in which I did forget that they were Russians. They weren't wearing outfits to me that really screened Russian as much. Like, I know they are, but like, you know, the Russian outfits of this era of these guys wasn't as particularly, like, iconically well-known visual to me. There's just large swaths of this where I did forget that these were Russians. I think I kind of treated it sort of like an anime dub. Where it doesn't really matter what they are, you're going to hear it in the Japanese. So you're hearing it in, you know, English because you're an English-speaking mm. audience member. And that it's just, you know, like a convenient translation thing for you. Okay. Where it gets a bit murky is the fact that there is another language in the film, the, mm. the Pashto people, and that they would repeat the things that they hear a little bit. Mm. Um, and it's like, oh, they're, they're clearly repeating, like, English words, so that kind of muddles up the the translation aspect of it but i just i just treated it like kind of like that anime logic so i didn't want, mm. yeah I, I accepted it another thing you know this is the difference between if they made it today and made it back then and even then today they would still do this the 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 afghans or what were they called again exactly uh, the pashto people they Pashtuns. just they just cast any person who's brown? Yeah, I think the trivia said all of them were, you know, one of them was this, one of them was this, one of them this, one rest, of them rest Jewish, of them this. and yeah. one of them's a, like <laughs> Israeli, the main, yeah. main one of them, the main guy's Cuban. And I went, okay, that's a thing of the past. That's even stuff we do now. Like, like I said, the the translator guy, he's had a career where he's played like over twenty different ethnicities. For fuck's mm. sake, uh, twenty different cultural backgrounds and so on and so forth I, like i've seen him play egyptians a lot he's indian but he, you know and he's got that british accent too so i've seen him play like a stuffy old british professor where he came across like he was white you know like it's just very he's very that's a part of it but like when i was watching it i was thinking about how uh khan our main guy is like that's a guy from scarface and he's also in breaking bad and better call soul and he He's, you know, he's Cuban. He's a Cuban guy. And he speaks English as well. Like, you know, that's one of the languages he speaks. So I was very bewildered at, like, okay, other than obviously he's a very talented actor, why would you cast this talented actor who's known for, you know, not speaking the language he's speaking in this film? Why would you cast him and have him only speak in that language for the entire run? That was the thing that I found interesting as a choice. That's like a choice that they made. And it was like how you said, like, you know, like, okay, we accept the dub of these people speaking this language, but over here, these people are actually speaking their language. Yeah, they are literally speaking and what it, they're here. And it makes sense because you have to have that those interactions with Constantine and them where they don't talk to each other in the language. That makes sense. It just is very striking to me that a lot of them are actors who are at least famous or well-known for English-speaking roles anyway. mm like, I'm just thinking about the casting where they're sitting down being like, okay, we need somebody who's the head of this, blah. And we need that actor who will not be able to speak this language to learn to speak the language. I didn't, that's the thing too. I don't know if he, these articles mentioned it. Nowhere on the IMDb did they mention anything about these actors having to learn this language to 
be in the movie because we're talking. Well, this. maybe maybe they just maybe some of them did know the language in the first place. Like, did it actually say anywhere that they had to learn it? I mean, I just assume because none of them have the cultural background. Yeah, I don't know. That's like some of them are Indian, some of them are Cuban. I'm just assuming that they don't know how to I rem- speak. This. I think it, I think it was in our main Huna episode where you asked the question like, "Oh, what language do the Pakistani people th- speak?" And the wrong thing I said was, oh, I think Pashto. So it's kind of funny that all these years later, we finally are doing a film that's in Pashto. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to delve into some of the extracurricular material sure. you had a gander at and give a little bit more context to the film we've just watched? I'll talk about, because there were two links. One of them was an interview with the writer of the film. Um, this was the better of the two links because it just went to his whole story about, you know, who he was and how he made the, the wrote the film. Mm. And the second one was with the director of this film, which was mostly about his career, but like there's a middle portion where mm. they were really honing in on this film because it's just so interesting. And this is the director of Waterworld and... He worked with Kevin Costner a lot, it said in the interview. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah, and in that interview, it did mention like that this was a director who, you know, he started as a lawyer, but he didn't really want to do it just because it paid well. So he tried for film school. Um, He sent a script to Steven Spielberg, I think, Mm -hmm. and his, you know, university film, and he got lucky there. Spielberg loved it. He worked with him and basically made Mm -hmm. his career. He got lucky, and that's kind of his story. Mm -hmm. And I think he talked about how, you know, there was a lot of work put into making this film because it was so different in a lot of ways. Um, I think it mentioned at one point, like, oh, the, at one point they didn't want to make the film. Sylvester Stallone got involved and their attitude was basically like, oh, a film about a war with Afghanis? Why don't we just make Rambo 3 or something like that? So, like, you know, very Hollywood factors were coming into it. Mm. Um, yeah, it talked about a few things like that. But the one with the writer, um, which I can't remember his name because it was a very long last name beginning with an M, mm-hmm. um, he was a guy that made theatre productions, like wrote theatre productions, and he had a very famous one uh, that was showing in New York, you know, it was getting rave reviews and it was very popular. Um, and then one day when he was just not having a great day and he like walked out of rehearsal just to like walk around, he saw a headline on a newspaper on a newsstand that uh, showed a Pashto leader um, and the headline was talking about like, oh, this Pashto leader is talking about uh, you know, the, the situation in Afghanistan and this guy, because he's very much of an artist personality, he was like, I became fascinated with this man and I became fascinated with this conflict in Afghanistan, which it seems like something really important is mm. happening there and no one here in America is talking about it. Mm. And so what he did was he kept going to this one Afghani restaurant mm. with these two Afghani workers there and he just kept coming back over and over and over mm. again, trying to like, you know, get them to tell him about the culture. And for a long time, they thought he was like CIA or something, trying mm. to get information from them. He's like, no, 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 I'm a known guy. Go see my show. I'll give you tickets to see the show. And eventually they were won over. And it's like, okay, okay, we believe you. We believe you. He wanted to ask them like, oh, how can I go to Afghanistan so I can mm. see what it's like there? And there was just a whole host of events happening <laughs> where it's like, okay, um, fly to Pakistan. Stan will meet you at a hotel room and he's just thinking to himself like are they just fucking with me are they is no one gonna show up there (laughs) he like took all these risks he was spending like all the money he had made Mm -hmm. making the show like five thousand dollars um but they did follow through Mm -hmm. and through a bunch of you know more events he did get into afghanistan but they're like okay now you have to go talk to this warlord Mm -hmm. and he will have the final say of whether you can get in or out or not he's like you didn't tell me this when I started that I could just get here and then be told to go away. Mm. So he talked to this warlord, they got along and he got the permission. And then he mentions like, oh, when I got back home, I did some reading about this guy and he is a monster. <laughs> but when I when I spoke to him, he was a perfect gentleman. <laughs> and so at this point, I forget all the details, but basically he had these two handlers that were leading him around through the, like the mountains and stuff. And he was just seeing all these atrocities happening and he was just constantly telling himself like, Jesus, I am not meant to be here. I'm just an Mm. artist. I did not know what I was signing up for. There was one point where they had a bunch of, like, uh, Soviet prisoners of war, Mm. and they told him, like, ask them whatever questions you need, um, and when you're done, we are going to kill them. Mm. And he's just like, 
I cannot be a part of this. So they just killed them instantly. Mm. Um, there was one point where he got very sick on a snowy mountain mm. and the two handlers, you know, evaluated their situation and said, like, look, we cannot take you any further than this. Uh, we believe that when you are born, God writes invisibly on your head or Allah writes invisibly on your head how you're going to die. If you survive this, then you dying on this mountain was not written on your head. Mm. They gave him a gun with two bullets, and the guy was like, I guess it was just in case the first one fails, I can mm. use the second to kill me off. Um, but he managed to survive. He got found by a village that happened to have one member who works overseas that speaks English, talk to, mm -hmm. you know, translate for him, so they didn't think he was a Soviet to instantly kill. Um, he had a very good experience in that village, like very warm, found out mm -hmm. how nice the people there were and what sort of suffering they were going through. And just basically just a whole very enriching, but very dangerous experience in Afghanistan, mm -hmm. which all got brought over into making this story, which he was going to make yeah. into a theater play. And I think, I think there was, it was a theater play, but someone saw it. It might've been the director or someone in the movie industry. They saw the play and like, this isn't a play, this is a movie, and that's mm. kind of what happened to make the film happen. And you see it, you see that, and yeah. you see that experience and that insight. I would love to have watched a documentary about that. That's a documentary as yeah, well. That, like, I would that watch first, a that first whole article, thing of his life. That first article was like a whole story, and it was just, yeah. That's interesting, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll make sure to share that on our social media and yeah. everything. You'll make sure to post that around. And uh, that's all I've got to say about The Beast or The Beast of War. I recommend it. It's not a Sunday afternoon watch. You have to be in the mood, but I was in the mood, and... Uh, Although I didn't fall head over heels in love with it, I, I appreciated it a lot. I did uh, think it was a, a well-made one, and it will be if I do revisit it, which I hope to. It will be a, one that grows on me. It wasn't one that mm. bowled me over instantly. Afterwards, my wife asked me like what I thought of it. I was like, eh, okay, yeah. I definitely want to rewatch it. Yeah, even you know, sitting on it overnight and talking about it today, I've I've grown. It's warmed my heart a little bit more with its presence. Uh, you recommend? I also do recommend it. Yeah, I also think that with more reviewings, I would appreciate it more. Certainly, reading that article made me appreciate it more because there was just so much going into it. The thing, yeah, that I've already said at this discussion we've had the thing that i keep going back to is just this is an american film mm. like it has just so many sensibilities of international films that i've seen before it didn't feel like you know a stock actiony film you know like the rambo 3 thing that mm. got brought up in one of those articles um i feel like also if it was an american film that was made a bit more in the modern day it would be a bit more cynical maybe a bit more dirty and just not quite hitting the right notes there. Like I mentioned before, that a lot of the Soviet guys in the platoon were, mm. you know, sort of, ca uh, not caricatures, I keep trying to say that word, but archetypal characters. I feel like maybe they wouldn't be quite as uh, simply, simply characterised as this mm. film, which really helps lend it the, the personality it has. Um, I definitely think that this is an underrated film that mm. has gone super under the radar from the 80s, and I think think that was the main thing that yeah. Nick P wanted us to kind of see. Like, is this mm. something worth seeing? And did, it definitely is. Did you ever see that movie Fury from a few years back my, with my, Brad Pitt my and Shia saw, LaBeouf? My mum saw it and she said it was amazing. I remember liking it too. And it was about guys in tanks and the interpersonal things and like how bloody and terrible it was to be in their different I remember tone, she very highly recommended it to me, but I never got around to seeing it. Very interesting little movie, um, but I haven't watched it since it came out. But I did think about that just every now and then, just because I haven't seen too many movies about guys in tanks and having to be on the run and do things and having to worry about their lives. Yeah, uh, so recommendation falls onto you for the next episode it and does. it is for spooky month yes the start of spooky month where in october we go over movies of a more spooky variety a horror variety a general october halloween feel and i want to know what have you got in what have you well, got lined up for us we should say that like, when this episode does come out it's going to be like tail end of september 
But I'm just finding there's the spooky thing of the year is that it starts early. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Wait, yeah. I wait. think I think the episode's going to come out like 27th of September. Oh, is that right? Oh, am I, I am so. I overshooting we're the record- spooks? Yeah, we're recording it on the 25th, so it should come out on the 27th, I think. Mm-hmm. Unless you want to take a week off. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. No, no. That's fine. I, fact- I factored that in. In fact, it was a big point of annoyance for me because mm-hmm. I picked this film out earlier in the year. It's like, oh, when my non-American choice falls in Spooky Month, I'll pick this film. Mm-hmm. And I was just going to miss it. But mm-hmm. now I'm justifying it because, fuck you, it's my podcast. I can do what I want. I can do what I want. I can do what I want. Hey, hey, I never complain <laughs> that we can make Spooky Month longer. <laughs> I think one Spooky Month after we finished Spooky Month, I was like, oh, let's do Mulholland Drive because that's spooky. <laughs> we also, I think we also followed up um, with The Shining after Spooky yeah, Month. there you go. So what have you gotten and we did lined a, up? I think we did Dog Film after Dog Month too. Um, I am picking a Canadian horror film. That I heard about on mm. a podcast. I'll go into history next week. Um, it's it made it sound like a bit of a local flavor, so mm. I don't know how well known it is internationally. From nineteen ninety seven or ninety eight, the it? film is called Cube. Oh, wait, Cube, Cube, Cube. Have you heard of Cube? If it's a cube, I'm thinking of yeah, I heard of yeah, Cube. Yeah, ninety seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a Canadian horror film. Maybe you've heard, I guess you've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure if we're, if we're talking about the same Cube, you said 1997, right? Yeah, yeah. The Wikipedia yeah, page yeah, is literally a... called Cube 1997. Oh, yeah, Cube. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I've seen Cube. Cube. Oh, shit, you've seen it. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Cube's... Okay, ha- I have really, you seen I've, it? No, I've heard about it and I really like the premise, so... It's got... It's got... Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> it's got Dax from uh, Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Deep Space Nine in it. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This is... Okay, so what I know... I mean, I've seen Cube. Cube to me is... And we'll get into it next episode more so. Whenever there's an escape movie, like a, a movie where people are trapped in a thing and they have to figure out like like the Saw films, for instance, yeah. or there was an es- escape room, the movie came out a few years back, you will no doubt see in a review somebody reference Cube as the pinnacle of that. Okay. Oh, it's a of, pinnacle. Well, yeah, because we'll see it when we see it. But to me, I also agree, it's one of those movies where if you're really into... Those stories, like there's so many Star Trek I've episodes played, like well, that, where you're yeah, you're big specific, into games, yeah, games and manga. I've read where, a lot of them. Where like you that. have those characters trapped in a situation where they have to figure out how to escape or how to get out. Heck, even one of the Predator movies is a bit like that, where it's like predators where they're on the planet and they're having to figure out how to live through being hunted. Cube is a Top shelf, okay. one of these well, type that, of movies. That's exactly why I was interested. In it. Oh, it's like those things I like. Yep, I, I'm excited. I love Cube. Uh, it's been ages, oh, there and we ages go. since okay. I've seen it. It's, it is. I haven't seen it probably since I was like 12, <laughs> but I remembered liking it a lot. So Cube, Cube, Cube. Okay, yes, awesome. Okay, my recommendation, but Ryan knows about it. <laughs> I, I I wasn't expecting it to come out of your mouth. <laughs> it's one of those where I'm like, I assume were you, Bartek were you knows saving nothing. it, Ryan? No, no. Oh, I, oh, there we go. <laughs> there are those movies where it's like until somebody brings it up. In a way, it's not like I don't forget about Cube. It's like, it's just I haven't watched it, so this will be a good excuse to watch it for you know for the first time in a while. So, yeah. Cube, you're uh, over twice as old as you were when you first watched it. Yeah, isn't that stop it? Yeah. Stop <laughs> it! I'm getting old. Hey Ryan, memento mori. Memento mori. <laughs> Thank you. Remember that you will die. <laughs> yeah. All right, that is it. You can find us on your social medias of Facebook and Twitter. Spit and Polish presents. We are posting on there, interacting with people, so feel free to hit us up. And that's where you can also recommend films to us to cover on the podcast, as well as our email address, which is uh, which is uh, which is spitandpolished at gmail.com. I was going to give the password yeah. to... Oh, you were. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was like, I don't you, do that, Ryan. I thought you were beckoning me to say the... No, no, email. I was just waving at you because I was like, do not say this, Ryan. I was going to be like, our password is uh, blah, blah, blah. No, um, because it's I always... too hypercube. Cu- yeah, 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 yeah. Cubed again. Uh, <laughs> so... That's so stupid. <laughs> Alien cubed. Uh, so rate and review us on your podcast hosting platform of choice. 
And that is all we've got for you. Well, I, I notice in, in podcasts like these, I know we've never really done it, but usually if the host has another podcast, they'll also plug that. So yeah. do you want to do, do that for... Okay, so Bartek <laughs> hosts another podcast yes. called The Pants Show, in which he reviews the pants he owns. Make sure to type into your podcast hosting site pants show and you'll get Bartek's great podcast where he's today he's wearing a lovely pair of green pants ah. do you want to give us a, a brief flavor of what your green pants are like today what they taste like um well given how we started the podcast referencing the weather they were quite wet when i came here I believe my exact words were, oh, I pissed myself, but I'm still going to use the toilet. <laughs> oh, and just for those out there, I want to clarify, when I say it's Dax from Deep Space Nine and Cube, I mean Esri Dax, not Judzia Dax. I just want to make sure everybody knows that I know that. I don't want some emails coming in being like, Ryan, do you, when you say Dax, do you mean Judzia Dax? It's Esri Dax, the less popular Dax, but she's cute and has a pixie haircut, so people like her for that reason and no other... My sister hates her, though, so there you go. There's a fun trivia fact, but we'll get into that next. But no, no, uh, I also have a podcast. Uh, you have Pants Podcast. I have Yum Yum Podcast, where I review stuff like Star Trek and uh, Babylon 5 with my wife, Rachel, who I mention on this podcast every now and then, and sometimes she appears. Mm. Sometimes she comes in to thank Bartek for being a hella feminist. Yes, and... everyone, please listen to our episode on how to succeed at business without really trying. Yep. Not We're... the Juno episode. There's nothing special about the Juno episode. Juno, please. <laughs> Who needs to listen to anyone talk about Juno starring Rain Wilson? Talking about Rain sounds like... It's dying down, so we better get out of here so we can run around in the sunshine that's going to come out from the clouds. I actually really liked our Juno episode. <laughs> I just, just want to throw that out there, guys. It's a really good episode. He was just joking. <laughs> I, was just, I was just joshing you. And I was just draking you. 